is, are human rights being eroded? Human rights and the impact of technology. What impact is technology having on human rights? Well, we know that the social media platforms are supposed to be platforms where people can have opinions and they don't interfere. The idea is that so long as it's something that's not totally illegal as far as perhaps safety and death and so forth is concerned, they shouldn't be having any interference. They have a, I believe it's a two or three special code of protection of cover that prevents them from being sued. So if you and I have a dispute, we have to sue each other, not the platform. However, as we all know, these platforms have been editing. So they're no longer just platforms, they're editorials. And this has caused a huge consternation. I mean, it's pretty obvious to everybody that certain narratives are being propagated by big tech and the power that they wield is truly troublesome. We should have the ability to have some kind of comeback on those tech companies. And I believe in the future, there is going to be more regulation and more stringent and perhaps uh, effective uh, policing of those tech companies. I think that maybe two or three will have to be removed. I'm not sure how disruptive that's going to be, but we'll have to see if it comes out in perhaps a more moderate form. So this is a very big issue when you get down to people. So it's all very well having tech, huge technologies and having huge platforms and having huge corporations and having big government, but this overreach is definitely having an effect on our freedoms. And that is where the first erosions takes place. One of the first places that's taking place is the freedom to speak online. Look, stronger human rights, we need more systems and better systems in place. The planet is evolving very rapidly. Things are changing very rapidly. And we're going to see, especially with the advent of super AI, that you're going to have to have systems in place to protect humanity, to protect populations. Because up till now, I believe that a lot of the population weren't aware of what was being going and what was going on and what has been going on amongst government lobbyist groups, special interest groups, uh, big corporations, their involvement in getting agendas passed and a regulatory environment so that they could prosper and certain levels of, of central banking and reserve banking that have had the upper hand for many, many years. Whether that will change or not is to be seen, but we're definitely going to have to have a better system to help specific citizens. We can't have deep state players now taking the rights of citizens away, affecting the livelihood of citizens for political agendas. These things are all wrong. They're morally wrong. And in fact, I believe they're legally wrong. So we'll see if, if we can possibly get some systems in place that, that is more conducive to a fair and equitable uh, situation for the citizenry. The next point I want to bring up is uh, safe spaces for speaking up. We need to have alternate platforms. We need to have other places that people can speak up safely without being uh, eliminated, without being ostracized and relegated and ridiculed. We need to have spaces where they have those protections and they can talk freely and without being persecuted. Um, this cancel culture has got completely out of control and it's surprising to me, well, perhaps not really, because people are aware of the media's role in this. They are aware of talking points just for the sake of talking points, the racism, the, the, all the isms. So those are all problematic. And people are starting to understand this 
and they're not really paying attention to it. Right now, as I'm doing this podcast, we've got the confrontation on Russia and Ukraine. This is just another distraction to take away from the seriousness of what transpired during the American elections. So these things need to be taken for what they are, and people are going to have to stand up at some point in, 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 in time and draw a line in the sand, and the public has the numbers. The citizens have the numbers. They, they need to make a stand and say, look, it needs to be equitable and it needs to be fair. So this, the system of, of having a safe space is very, very important, being able to have a place where they can put their points of view across and they can uh, ask for, for, for certain uh, freedoms to be acknowledged and adhered to. We, we're going to have another scenario coming up with Super Hour that I mentioned before, and we've spoken about this living wage for all and, and whether that's going to be unfolded as a universal wage of some sort as people lose jobs. It's not going to happen all at once, but I suspect over the next 10 years that the influence of super AI will, or AI as it, as it becomes more sophisticated and heads towards super AI um, is going to have a more, obviously, a greater and greater impact on jobs. Um, work is going to become obsolete, perhaps, in the future. And as that happens, we're going to have problems with how we structure time so and how we get income. So those things are going to have to be addressed. I'm not sure this is going to work because a living wage sounds okay, but I think if you start to drill down into the economics, it's very difficult to make it successful. Countries have tried this. I believe Denmark was one, and they try to get a, a, a wage going for all those that are unemployed. But those numbers increase, and the number of people putting money into the pie decreases. It starts to become very difficult to be to hold it sustainable so we'll have to see how that's going to play out i think that it's a good idea i'm not sure how people are going to cope with super ai i'm not even sure that the big corporations that want to own ai are going to be able to control ai or whether it jumps out of their ecosystem so we're not sure what's going to happen in the future and it's coming upon us very quickly we need to start thinking about these things because it's going to be here uh, in a matter of years so we need to now start to think how we're going to structure our lives and structure our time. It's going to become more and more uh, important, and we're going to have to see how the regulatory environment tries to control this thing. Though I've had discussions, and it seems that it's very difficult for a country to slow down on its AI development, whilst another country that may be in competition accelerates because it leaves the one that's trying to manage this in a disadvantaged position. And let's face it, when it comes to military, when it comes to finance, uh, even health, these things play a huge role. And the advantages of countries that they will take over other countries has been a, a historic truth. Uh, so we're going to have a problem uh, as far as slowing this thing down. So AI is definitely super AI I'm talking about. is definitely on the horizon. The next thing we can talk about is achieving diversity and inclusiveness. As these are also ideals. So the implementation of a lot of ideals always seems to run into problems because what happens is it starts to disadvantage another sector of society. So you might say up to now there's certain people that have been, uh, been not included in, in society as far as perhaps the economy is concerned or there's not enough diversity. And, you know, meritocracy is, is to me is really the only way to go. Um, that's my point of view. Other people have different points of view. But you've got to understand that once you forcibly mandate something or put something into law that benefits a certain sector of society, it's going to automatically disaffect another sector of society. So you're never going to have people being happy. 
So the idea that people get somewhere by their their character, their nature, their willing, wantingness to learn and improve themselves and add value to society is the way to go. Uh, any other way of giving and not having to do anything for it and disaffecting those that are working to advantage those that aren't is 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 problematic. Obviously, there's a lot more to that as far as people that are incapacitated, people that just can't keep up, that don't have the education. But we got to have a safety bucket, a safety net. But we got to also have to be realistic of what's what this is all about. A lot of these things that we hear about diversity have political agendas, and those political agendas are tied to economic agendas. So we have to understand that there are certain people that are putting a lot of money into certain things for a specific reason, and the benefit of certain people. If we look at the whole COVID, the whole pandemic. Look at the people that prospered over these last two years. Go and look at the companies in the financials. Go and look at the companies in tech. And you'll see who benefited from pushing this agenda and Big Pharma. Those that didn't paid the price. So this, there's a disparity there. So when we talk about inclusiveness, we need to think about it as also as far as the big corporations are concerned. Next point I want to bring up today is business being accountable. So... Businesses being accountable is is a good thing, um, that they should be responsible. But it always seems to us, the individual, that a lot of businesses, when they get to a certain size, seem to have enough power that they don't have to be responsible. They don't have to be accountable. If that were true, how would some of the social platforms not be accountable for editing? If that were true, how would some of the governments that have done certain terrible things as far as electioneering is concerned, how are they not accountable? They're not being held accountable. So as soon as you get to a certain size, it seems to the man in the street that accountability goes out the window. And for small businesses and medium-sized businesses on the normal operating day, they are quite happy to be accountable. But it's disproportionately this medium SMEs that are doing it and the giants don't do it. Again, this all comes down to a lack of trust. And it's been proven... A, and it's happened in, in society that these big corporations have shown us to be totally uh, hubris as far as adhering to certain regulations. The, the, the outrage over things like the, like the social platforms, the media. I mean, some of the things that is, are reported on and other things that aren't. You know, we just had CNN basically closing down, being taken over by, I believe, his discovery. Uh, Jeff Zucker having to leave. So... These things are happening. They are truth. They're not innuendo. Um, this is this is something that we need to think about as far as being accountable. It's fine for some businesses. Being it needs to be all businesses that are accountable. So that's something to think about. And then, um, you know, when, when we talk about climate change, it's become a very hot potato and it's a very complicated issue. It's not something that's that simple to understand and know uh, what, what to do. The, the government on global levels, international, multinational institutions have tried to push an agenda. And now we, the people, have been and, 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 and become somewhat uh, suspicious of what's going on because of what's happened as far as the pandemic's concerned and various other aspects of politics. When governments start adhering to the globalists and they're pushing a specific agenda, we're asking the question all the time now, why? And that's because, again, there's a breakdown in trust. We don't really trust what these big corporations and governments are doing, why they're pushing towards the new Green Deal, why they're pushing to the Great Reset, who again will the beneficiaries be? Is it the same players, the financiers, 
the big tech, the big corporations who are going to be the winners. We've got to stop this situation on, 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 that's ongoing with big corporations and big companies that are benefiting hugely. Some people, I will tell you, some of the biggest financial institutions had their best quarter ever at the last quarter of last year. They had record, um, a record quarter, while many people lost their livelihood, lost their homes. So there's a, there's, a, there's a huge disparity, and we start to believe that there's a certain agenda being driven. And this also needs to be looked at. So it needs to be a people-centered climate action. So it needs to get down to the people, and it needs to look at the cost. Because in the end of the day, when you want to take action for climate, it's fair enough. You can do what you can do in your personal capacity. When, <clears throat> excuse me. When you do these big agendas, it starts to become who's paying the, who's going to pay. And who has to pay is the taxpayers. The taxpayers bail the banks. The taxpayers are expected to pay for climate change to live on the planet. Big corporations are buying up natural assets. They're buying up land. <clears throat> they're buying up water supply. These are really big deals because in the end, they're going to charge us to use them. So there's a big agenda going on here. And I think it's about time that we got some transparency and that the people started to get a bigger say in what goes on. And it definitely needs to become people-centered as far as climate change. So those are some of the points I wanted to speak about and bring up today in today's podcast. And hopefully it's something to you to think about and you can comment or you can interact and uh, you can always get us on our blog, um, which is uh, John Arthur Harris, John A. Harris on blog.com. And that will, you know, give you some of the, the articles as well. So thanks for listening and we'll tune in for the next episode.